My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. The podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, SoundCloud, and always on SportsBlogNewYork.com. Don't forget to give, give us a hit on Twitter at SportsBlogNYC. And more importantly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We love to hear back from you. We love to interact and hear what you guys want to hear about because we love talking. And the more we can know about what you want to hear, the more we can give the people what they want. And that's what we're all about. Also all about giving the people what they want, sometimes is Alec Argento, and he's in with me for the episode today. What's up, dude? So, dude. How you doing today? Oh, just swell. Knicks do good. Knicks okay. Tate in, oh, yeah. a, in a fish tank. <laughs> um, the Knicks won by, what, 22? And anytime the Knicks can just play their like backup backups in the fourth quarter, it's a really nice time. Is it really a nice time to ever see Ramon Sessions on a basketball court, though? No, but is it nice <laughs> to see Willie pull a three and hit it? Yeah. Is it nice to see Damian Dotson on the court? Yeah, but... I don't ever want to see Michael Beasley and Ramon Sessions ever on the court. Especially at the same time. <laughs> Especially at the same time. <laughs> but that's cool, though. The Knicks won. Uh, the Giants won this week. The Jets had a bye. Uh, so the, the Giants... Knicks, Jets won, then. The Jets, the Jets won. Um, the Giants game, which I was at, was pretty bad. It was actually really bad. Oh, yeah. um, not fun to watch, specifically, but I guess I had a good time with my friends, so that was fun. But the Giants won, and should they have won, is the question. Yeah. So it was nice for like the players to not feel like complete crap, or Ben McAdoo to feel like complete crap. Oh, do you mean like should they have won? Meaning like it was like a, like a BS. Is it worth it? Oh no! Like, but but at the same time, I always feel this way. I've said this a lot for a lot of teams. Like losing begets losing. So yeah, you had a good year where you're good uh, last year where you made the playoffs. You had the third best record in football. But a year like this erases all of that. So you need to take solace in the fact, like, you need Evan Ingram to feel good about the team a little bit. You know, you need you need some of these younger players like Eli Apple, who gave up this year, even though he wasn't in the game, like, to know that you still should win. Like, you, you need should... Landon Collins not to be miserable on the football field. Yeah. <laughs> right? You never want, you never want, like, I'm, I'm never a fan of tanking, like, just in general. I understand the benefit of it. But you never want to have that kind of culture installed. And Ben McAdoo, he's, he's gone after this year no matter what. So, like, you want to have a culture of the players where they feel like winning is good. Jerry Rice might as well be gone. Uh, that's Reese, possible. Reese. Jer- Jerry Rice. I wish we had Jerry Rice, right? He could do something for the Giants. Giants. No. <laughs> eh, maybe a little... Um, so, a receiver? Get probably, some... probably be better than... Although, that Roger Lewis catch. How about that Roger Lewis catch? I stayed you? until that catch, which is impressive that I stayed through the overtime. Uh, I actually met a lovely English man and woman uh, at the game. They sat next to me, and they were there. On vacation, they see the Giants game. They're going to L.A. to see the Rams game next week. English people love football, man. They, they love the NFL. They yeah. said it was something they had to do when they came over here. And they're fine with a crappy game like this because they've been getting treated to like the Jags for the past like four years. <laughs> the Jags <laughs> and like, the Dolphins they've been getting out <laughs> in London. He lives in Birmingham. Shout out Peaky Blinders. Great show. Uh, my guy said it's really hard to get tickets to London games. Yeah, they sell out like immediately. They, yeah. they love it over there. They've been trying to get uh, like NFL teams over there for like legit that's like if there's an expansion team in the NFL, it's legit going to be in there. Uh, the logistics are really hard, and that's not something I want to get into. This is the SBNY podcast. Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. It okay. is an interesting topic, but it's just like so so many logistical things that we don't understand. I want it. I want it in a European league, man. <laughs> a division. A whole yeah. division? Yeah. Because that's the only way it works. Give one to Spain, France, it's England. Only, that's the only way the travel works. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, like we said, we're not going to talk about that here. We're going to talk about some Nick stuff. We're going to talk about a little NFL action because... There's a separation happening between the good teams and the bad teams. 
I know Alec has some takes that he's going to reiterate because he is confident. Uh, and actually, I would say that you've been proven close to right in a few things uh, in the past weeks, at least. I don't know if I agree with that. You can't see the confident smirk, the arrogant smirk on my face right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give it to you for the whole year yet, but I'm going to let you have that. And that's a little tease action. We're not going to tell everyone exactly what that is just yet. It's going to come up organically, I'm sure, talking about a few different teams. So I know you have those takes prepared. I'm probably going to try to slow you down because you're going to be real aggressive about it. I can feel it. But nonetheless... Good luck. Nonetheless, there's a lot of separation going on in the NFL where you have teams like the Patriots and Steelers proving to be the only real teams in the NFC probably um, with teams like the Chiefs really hitting a bump in the road. (laughs) Maybe that's part of the tease. And then also in the NFC East, the Eagles are the best team possibly in football right now, and easily in the NFC, and the Saints look fantastic. Don't so, say easily in the NFC. Don't don't count out uh, the Rams. I like the Rams. I've been saying that too. I like the Rams a lot. I've been saying that all year. I do as well, but they just got put in their place by the Vikings this week. I, I still like the Rams a lot. I think they're Vikings Vikings are not going to go far with Case Keenum. I know they did. They had a good week this year, this week. But They've had a good bunch of weeks in a row. No, I know, but, but eventually the Case Keenum train is going to hit a halt. So there's a guy who goes by the name of Greg Cosell. He's like an NFL Films senior producer guy, right? He watches the film, breaks it down. So I heard him talk about Case Keenum. Since well, we'll start there randomly. Is he responsible for the music? No. The NFL, if oh, he I'm, was, I love, my, I love me some NFL Films music. If he was responsible, shout out him. But I don't think that's his job. He was talking about Case Keenum, and somebody asked him compare him to Teddy Bridgewater, and he said they're basically the same quarterback. Yeah. So. It's kind of interesting. What does that mean about Teddy? What does that mean about Case? Is Case better than we thought? Or is Teddy just yeah. has a ceiling that we, is a little lower than we thought? I, I would agree with the latter. So either way, you look at the Vikings with a, a really, really strong defense. And now the ability to move the ball around, it's interesting. But the trust level comes into it. And I know that's what you're going to talk about with Case Keenum uh, and maybe the Chiefs because you went a little <coughs> before on them. Uh, but then you see the Saints. And that's a team I want to ask you about. Drew Brees has been not even Drew Brees-esque as far as numbers but they're better than they've been since they won a Super Bowl, pretty much. Do you think they're real? Is that a team that you can trust? I always trust a team that has, has a running back tandem. you, you got to like a running back tandem. The old the old Giants, Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. Ooh, gets me going. That's how you win football games. You can't always rely on, on, on the pass. When you have a good running attack, you can substitute back and forth depending on the situation. I like that. And those, I don't, I don't those guys are Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I mean, they've been, they've been, great. They've been very nice players. And I think... My take on the Saints, and we had Kevin Law on the podcast a week or so ago from the thesportsquotient.com. He had them pegged as one of their top four teams, and they've only proven that more so since then. And I did not, and I have a hard time keeping them out now. The way I look at it, if you have Drew Brees on your team, he's supposed to be like your guy, your reason for success. And if he hasn't even been the numerical, statistical wizard, whatever you want to call him, like the, the high-powered Drew Brees offense that we know, if that hasn't even fully hit stride yet, I mean, they've been good, not great. Then they can be really scary because the defense, they make plays and they slow people down. So let's segue now. You mentioned you like the Rams. I want to hop over to um, the AFC real quick. Actually, wait, no. I apologize. Let's let's stick in the AFC for a second, right? So a team that the Eagles shut down on Sunday night is the Dallas Cowboys, the Zekeless Dallas Cowboys for real this time. He will be back apparently in the end of the year, this and that. Will he even be worth it at that point? Will it be worth it at that that point? A lot of people still believe in the Cowboys. No. Do you think, I'll, I'll pose it to you this way, and you can take the floor. Do you think that win by the Eagles said more about the Eagles' dominance 
or the Cowboys struggle that may be coming in the coming weeks? What do you think? I, I think. I think you're, the floor is yours, and you can take it however you want. I think the Cowboys stink. Whoa. They stink. Dak stinks. The the Eagles are a good team. They're a really good team. Comparatively, like in like three years ago when there's like normal parity in the league or a couple of years ago, like the Eagles are a good team. They're not like leaps and bounds over everyone. But the Cowboys stick. Now it's you're gonna see it's so much worse without Zeke. Why Dak is a horrible quarterback. Oof. Yeah. You know, you just go straight to the gut with it. Like, because he stinks. I know. I see a little fumble. But, see a little fumble risky by Dak this week. I know that you think Ooh. Dak is not good. Like, but I feel you any take quarterback. It, can hold on, hold on, hold on. Zeke. You take it to the next level. You also got to mention Tyrone Smith. Their left tackle's out as well. Yes, very good. Very good. He's a so big you person. think some people are torn on Dak, right? I'll be honest. Not everybody thinks he's great. I don't think he's great. Wait, hold on. I want to get a timeout. I want to get a timeout because I'm I'm sick of the the excuse. I've seen it around a couple of times that the the Cowboys are injured. The Eagles have a ton of injured players. That's not where I was going. Okay. Just wanted to throw that out there. Where I was going was there are people who are torn on Dak. Some people think he's the real deal. Some people think he's just a B plus. Some people think he's the absolute most average quarterback around. You fall in a tank where I don't know anybody else who really feels that way. You sincerely believe, and and people may be listening to this, the SBNY podcast right now, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento, thinking, all right, Alec, we've heard you go off on Dak before. Like, shut up, dude. He's not that bad. But you sincerely think he is bad. I've seen a lot of and quarterbacks like him. I don't, I don't like quite him. get it. Because I've seen a lot of quarterbacks like him that, that, that are flash in the pants. He, to, in my head, is not much different at all, probably worse, than like a Colin Kaepernick or an RG3. He's that type of quarterback. And they don't last long for a reason. And he, he doesn't run like those guys at all. No, because he doesn't have to. But when he, he and he has the ability, he has a similar skill set to those players. Except he doesn't have an arm. He has no arm. He can't throw more than fifteen yards. And when you don't have, I still think Zeke is the, uh, you know, whatever uh, about him, Zeke is the best running back in the league by far. In my right. Opinion. And you have that. And you have the best off. Maybe not the best. One of the a top one offensive. Of, line. Yeah, one of the top offensive lines, and you have Zeke. It makes any quarterback's job a lot easier. You, you know, we're talking about someone like Case Keenum overachieving. Uh, overachieving. Mm-hmm. You put him on that team, he might like be one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's what people look at, at Dak as, like a top five, top ten quarterback at the very least. See, um, I agree with you in the sense that I never thought Dak was a top five guy. No, you think he's average. I think he's an average guy who gets jobs done, and he does not make a lot of mistakes. Now, obviously, that the game against the Eagles on Sunday night was one of his. It was probably the worst game of his career, realistically. But I think it also says his something. Long career of success. <laughs> if in his small sample size, it is a lot of yeah, a success. It's a small sample size. People like him are flashes in the pan in the NFL. They don't last long. They never do. Name one quarterback like that. The last. See, one. I I just you can't don't... even say like the best of all time is Michael Vick. Obviously, he had his own thing, so he's the only outlier, and he had his own thing. We don't really talk. Like, he can't really fit into this. Any other quarterback that's like that, who's who's a mobile quarterback who doesn't throw far, and I know you say he doesn't run as much, but because he doesn't have to, and he does run a lot comparatively, relatively towards the the system. That I would. I look at him more as like a um a Russell Wilson. Personally, I think of him more like Russell Wilson, who doesn't really run as much as he used to. He's really just a play extender. He's not like a, a runner as a quarterback, but he extends plays, and that's what Dak does a lot. But the difference then becomes... He's got a lot better Russell Wilson, vision as well and, go, and downfield vision. And I was going to say this. Russell Wilson, on the move, throws seeds. Yeah. Dak 
It's very seldom that you get wowed by a Dak Prescott throw. You never when, will. <laughs> when, and and do, how much does he not get helped by his lack of down-the-field wide receiver talent? Because but, but I'm going to have that but, extensive but, field. But I, I, I've, I'll die on this hill. I mean, it's getting harder and harder just because he's getting older. But I don't think Dez is done. I, don't, I think Dez is still a really legitimate option. That's so the, crazy because I think Dez is so but shot. You, but I feel that people say that. Maybe I'm wrong. He hasn't like, been good in years. But... He hasn't been good in years because he hasn't had a quarterback that could throw downfield. He's not. He's not someone who can cross the slot. He's not going to be that kind of. Uh, never really was. Never. Never going to be that person. He's a big body receiver who's going to fight for 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 a lot of passes. He's not taking Odell slants up the up the middle. And, and that's right. the way that the the league is trending nowadays because quarterbacks are afraid to take those deep shots. Dak can't take those deep shots, where, where, which makes Des valuable. And if you can't utilize your best receiver, when, when what's his name? I, I, Cole uh, Michael Cole Beasley. Cole, Cole, Michael Beasley. Michael Cole is he like a wrestling? <laughs> no, I was gonna say Michael Beasley. Um, when Cole Beasley is is your leading receiver, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. <clears throat> All right, so let's move off the Cowboys. But I'll ask you this: They're five and five right now. How many more wins they got in them? I gotta look at their schedule. I think they're overachieving at five the, and five. You think they're overachieving? I, I see them. I see them seven and nine, eight and eight. I think, and it's hard for me to say this just because, like, I know I'm a giant fan, and like, you know, so yeah, it, it's hard to like. Yes, my team is doing worse than them. Like that. Right. The, that well, do you think Dak Prescott is better than Eli Manning right now? At this point, that's a tough one because I don't think either of them are good anymore. Like I don't, I don't think I think Eli in that situation is a lot better than Eli in this situation. Well, I'm gonna do a little humble brag real quick. And before the season started, I picked the Eagles to win the division, and I said that Carson Wentz will be the best quarterback in the division by the end of the year. I think he's proven that true so far. Kirk Cousins is still solid. Dak, you think he's horrible? I think you're overselling that. Obviously, I think everybody does. Actually, you know what? Last time you went off on a Dak Prescott rant, which wasn't planned, even it just came up <laughs> like organically, and I was like, oh my god, what's happening? I got maybe three or four separate text messages from friends who listen saying your friend Alec is off his rocker. Yeah, like, because he you guys doesn't don't, you guys know don't have vision. You don't, you don't see what's around you. You guys are just spoon-fed all this information <laughs> from yeah. the media. See, I see through it. I cut through the BS and I know it's accurate. You think all the, my takes are hot takes. Remember Alex Smith? Remember how good he was in the beginning of the year? Remember when Alex Smith became Alex Smith again and the clock turned uh, midnight and the pumpkin came back? That's Alex Smith. He's a pumpkin. <laughs> Alex Smith is a pumpkin. Uh, well, that's a good segue there. So we agree the Eagles are good. I think that's easy. You, I mean, obviously you can say, oh, I don't trust them to win the Super Bowl. That's easy. They're, they've never been there before. And no one's going to say like with the utmost confidence outside of Philadelphia that they're going to win the Super Bowl. And honestly, Philadelphia well, fans probably have no th- confidence yeah, at all. Think so. But do you, think, do, you, do, you, do you not trust them – because they're inexperienced or because they're the Philadelphia Eagles? A little that's bit, a it's, a, it's a little bit of both. See, I don't think they're It's inex- a little Doug Peterson. It's a little Carson Wentz in the second year. Slow, slow the dice a little bit. See, I don't think it's their, I don't think it's their inexperience. I think their talent is they actually think they've figured everything out. So you just think it's a city curse. I think it's Philadelphia thing. Which is weird because, like, the Phillies won not too long ago. But, like... I, I, I think the same thing with the Sixers. Like, I don't think they'll ever be really good. Like, I just – I know they're playing well. I think it's all going to crash and burn eventually. Like, it's, it's like it's like the Knicks. It's, you know, it's not, I'm not the only, they're not the only ones that do it. Like, right. I, 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 no, I, we're not expecting the Knicks to make a championship run anytime Exactly. Soon. I don't care how good the Knicks are. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's, I'm sure this is how the city of Cleveland feels all the time. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just the certain cities just don't win championships. And it's interesting. And you know what? This is the SBNY podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. I'm joined with Al Gargento. I hope that there's somebody out here listening to this podcast who's like a Philly fan. 
and God bless. Or or or, or a Cowboys fan. <laughs> Actually, no, they're like the worst people in the world. <laughs> I know, so I know some good people from Philly, but the fans. Though. I mean, not like as people. I mean, as fans overall. I hope someone's listening, and they're just like, "Fuck this kid." <laughs> no idea what's on my Dak Prescott's elite. Zach so you think someone in Philly is saying Dak Prescott? No, I said or Dallas. I said or Dallas. I, I just hope that's happening. That would make me happy. And if you are that person who hates Alec right now, tell me. And the best way to do it is on iTunes and by leaving a rating and tell him you come find me though. Drop five stars and just be like, your friend Alec, co-host of the SBMY podcast, is off his rocker. He went to a giant game, got drunk, left his rocker in the stadium, never been back. <laughs> and he just thinks Dak Prescott is horrible. But let's segue to the AFC because we got to get to some Knicks Do we talk. Have to? And we got let's throw out some uh, maybe some baseball talk later on in the episode as well. Ooh. Just a little off the gut, who's going to be the manager of the Yankees type of deal? That's fun. Oh, sure. Um, a little Otani talk, if oh. you will. Oh, oh yeah. How about that? Oh, oh yeah. But let's get to the AFC. So the NFC has a couple teams right now who you look at and say are talented or they have good records or they have the quarterback like Breeze and Wentz. The AFC has the Patriots and the Steelers, who are clearly the two best teams in the league. And then you have a handful of teams, including the entire AFC West, which is the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and then even Tennessee, who some people still like, and you know Jacksonville's defense is really, really good right now. That conference, the AFC, feels a little bit faker than the NFC, though. Outside, of course, the Steelers and the Patriots. Yeah. So when I say to you, Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers, Tennessee Titans, and Jacksonville Jaguars... What teams pop out as guys you think can actually play? Now, when you say, like, so I, I, I have teams that pop out to me as playoff teams that are going to get their doors blown off in the playoffs. Sure, break it down however you want. Jag- I, I named- Jaguars. Jaguars are a team that I think that's really cool to see them good. You know, the once every couple of years, Jaguars end up being good. They'll end up with, they'll, they should win that, that division. They're not going to beat the Steelers or the, or the Patriots. There's just no shot. Like, there's no possible scenario where that ever happens. I think the Chargers are the best team in the AFC West. Mm. That's not that's not a crazy take. I've been hearing that that rumbling around, saying how Philip Rivers is. You know what we what we know about Philip Rivers is that he's just a slinger, man. Like he doesn't really care. He'll throw four picks, go out there and sling it downfield. Again. Yeah, but I don't even think and it's now they're sorry. clicking. Now they're clicking, and they got a they got a pass rush. Joey Bosa has been very legit. Don't so. you forget that he's like in the league? Like Joey I always, Bosa? I always like he's so good. You kind of like, forget the Chargers are in the league. I mean, fair, <laughs> people fair. are still calling them the San Diego Chargers. They're playing in the soccer stadium. I, they can't fill it up. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, but they're not a bad team. And you, if if you face off the Chargers and the Chiefs head to head right now, Chargers and the Raiders head to head, Chargers Titans, Chargers Jags. Um, honestly, the Chargers probably give the Steelers a game. I mean, unless they're really clicking like they're. No, nah, see, I, but I don't think that I don't even think it's that they're good. I think it's that everyone else in that division. is Bad. I think they like. I think that. I think the Chiefs are a bad team. So I think- you see the Chiefs because I know how you feel a little passionately about this one. So I'll, let's get on this for a hot second. Two weeks ago, I still thought the Chiefs were one of the top teams in the league, and I don't believe they're a top four team anymore. I still think they're they're very good. I think they hit that bump in the road in the middle of the season. You think? Do you think they're out on playoff opportunity? No, 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 not even close to being out of playoff opportunity. I just think that you just you just don't like them moving forward through the playoffs. You think they're the same old Chiefs? Yeah, you know, kind of playmakers, defense. Alex Smith's just average as heck. Is that where you land? Yeah, I, I think Alex Smith is the prototypical average quarterback. Like that, that's, there's nothing bad with that. If you're the 15th best quarterback in the world, doing something pretty good, you know. But like, 
He's he's not going to lead you to a championship. There's no reality where Alex Smith ever leads you to a championship. I, I feel very confident in saying that. I don't. I think if the Chiefs believed that, they wouldn't have drafted uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, like like I think you just they they got a little bit more out of Alex Smith than they thought. He'll finish out the year, but he's not going to be on the team next year. Patrick Mahomes is going to be on there. Alex Smith will go to another team, do pretty decently, do the same thing that he's always done. He's just not. He's not. Anything crazy. He's, he's not someone who's going to lead you to anything. He'll get you to the playoffs. So the Chiefs are 6-4. and four. They started 4-0. and oh. What point do they have to hit for Andy Reid to say, hey, Patty Mahomes, you're in? No, he finishes out the season, Smith. What if, what if they're 6-7 and seven in three weeks? I think, I think it's hard. I don't think Andy Reid is a dumb coach. I think he's a very, very good coach. Makes some stupid decisions every now and then. But Who doesn't? Exactly. But I think it's hard... For any rookie quarterback to come into a really crappy situation that he inherited. Because you have all these expectations by the fans. And Kansas City has some very good fans that are very passionate. For You, you bring someone like that in, and if he's not immediately good into an already bad situation, if that's the case that happens, then you run the risk of ruining that person's ceiling, you know? I don't think that, that I don't think that Andy Reid would do that to a player. I don't think he's a stupid head coach. I think the only situation And I think he probably has enough respect for Alex Smith to where unless he's yeah. cl- clearly not helping the team anymore, he's going to be the quarterback. And I, yeah, I, I, I I'm still in the camp. Let me make this clear. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine for the rest of the season. And like you said, it comes down to trust when we're talking about playoffs. Do we trust Alex Smith and the Chiefs right. to win big playoff games? That's when you say, "Well, haven't really seen him do it before." How are we going to trust it? But, the, but when you but then you look at their schedule, and uh, they actually have kind of an easy schedule. So they have the Bills and the Jets the next two weeks. Yo, you want to talk about that Bills game a little bit? Oof, Nathan <laughs> Peterman, I'm sorry, brother. Tough. Uh, How about Tyrod? Tough start. How about Tyrod? Just like you get benched for that guy. <laughs> Come in, sling a couple of tutties. But hey, the Chiefs have the the Bills, the Jets, and they have two division games: Raiders and Chargers. Then Dolphins and Broncos. They can easily win, you know, four of those games, and they're probably going to be a playoff team. The Chargers are going to have the tougher time actually cracking the playoffs, but it might be more fun to see Philip Rivers in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just tough because like well, I, I do agree. I still think that like all these teams that I mentioned that aren't the Steelers, and I don't think the Steelers are that good. I think they're the second best team in the AFC by far. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of bad teams that are going to look good by their record who aren't good. Like, a lot of fake records right now. Yeah, when you look around the NFL, I think so. I, I think this is a year that we're going to look back on. And it's going to be a wash because there's just so many, so much talent that's not out there. It's just you know a lot of it's a lot of freak occurrences. You look at someone like, the, like all these injuries too. Make yeah. it make it a little tough to watch. Yeah, and and it's just the over officiating. It's just it hasn't been a good year. There's no defending that it's been a good year. You know the end result is going to be a Patriots t- uh, championship. Another quest. You know it's going to be. This so that actually just led me to my next little segue because we are going to get into the Knicks talk, SBNY podcast, B. Kennedy, Al Gargento. We're going to get to the Knicks talk in a minute. So everybody complains, not everybody, complainers of the NBA. The NBA say haters if you want to call it that. Which there are many. Right. They're, they're out there. They say, oh, it's such a top-heavy league. The Warriors and Cavs are going to hit the finals again. Yada, 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 yada. If you look at the NFL this year, we have like the like the Raptors and the Wizards and the Bucks, and then, um, you know, the Rockets the past couple of years, these really good regular season teams, the Chiefs and the Saints now, and so on and so forth. But is it just going to be the Patriots again? And is that the same problem that doesn't get complained about quite as much? Well, the reason the I think it doesn't, it is the same problem, but I think the reason it doesn't get complained about as, as much is because 
It's a lot shorter of a season. Yeah, and there's that sense where if you just win a couple of those games, your run is open, right? And the NBA, you got to win a lot of those games for your run to be open. You can always be – there's always a chance you could be like the Giants against the 18-0 Patriots in the NFL – that's not the case in, in the NBA anymore. We're not getting the Charlotte Hornets 8 seed taking on exactly. the Celtics or Cavs in the Eastern Conference exactly. Finals. Taking them to 7. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong, though. The NFL is hard to watch. I, I used to love watching every game. I watch the Giant games nowadays, which is really hard to watch, and pretty much nothing else. I just, it's, and then it's, some of the prime times here and there. Some of them. Like, but, like, you know, 8.30 starts and everything. I can't, I can't stay up to watch. I mean, we're currently game. recording this podcast during the Monday night game between the Seahawks and the Falcons. Which, those are two teams where you would say, Russell Wilson, I trust him. Matt Ryan, I could kind of trust him. He was there last year. All right, then you say Super Bowl hangover. Then you say Russell, uh, the Seahawks can't block a soul. They lost Sherman. They lost this. They lost that. And it becomes tougher again. Do we trust them? So that's where we're at in the NFL right now. And uh, it's a little bit of a weird spot. But I think the post-Thanksgiving separation will continue. And we'll see which teams are legit. Like, if the Jags aren't legit, they're going to lose some games in the next two, three weeks. Yeah. And that's just how it's going to go. There's going to be a lot of deviation from now until uh, the end of the season. Not, it's not going to be the same at all. So the Giants, for, like, the the Giants play uh, the Redskins on Thanksgiving. <coughs> you watching? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I say this every day. Like my, every time, like, my father will see me watching the game or something. He's like, you're watching this? I'm like, they don't deserve my fandom. Like, I can't. I keep saying every week, I'm done. I'm not going to watch. And then he's sticking out. And he's just such an idiot. Oh, man. Uh, that's what it is, though. And what are the odds now the Giants blow their own chances at a good draft pick and win like four or five games after the next couple, six or seven? You know what's annoying? I unironically said to myself, they're not mathematically eliminated. Yesterday. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's how, right. how sad is that? Stop, stop. I know, I know, I know. I know. And then I, I caught myself. I caught myself for like a second, but still. Like, that thought just went through my head. All right, now <laughs> it is officially time to, to change topics here. From one miserable idea to the next, <laughs> the Knicks have been winning games. And the Knicks fans out there, I'll say semi, I'll semi include myself because I actually think the Knicks have a, a a chance to be a playoff team, right? They have a chance to be a playoff team. I'm not locking it in like some of these Knicks fans on Twitter, but I'm locking in the playoffs. You've been locking it in since before the season, almost. I think. Yeah, but no, but but that was before the Melo trade, and then True. I then I wasn't sure. But after I I don't I don't think they're a contender, but I think they're a six through eight seed. If you told me at the end of the season that they were a six through eight, either any of those seeds, I'd be like, yeah, sure, okay. Uh, I, that's what I'm saying. I think there's a realistic opportunity for, for the <laughs> Knicks to become those guys. So that's what we're going to talk about now. I want to talk about the New York Knicks and their place in the NBA. So not just in the Eastern Conference. So Because you saw them play the Clippers. The Clippers are supposed to be an average Western Conference team. They've been really struggling with some injuries. Daniel Gallinari, Patrick Beverly just got back. On a night-to-night basis is my question. Where does your confidence lie for the Knicks on a given night. Like, say, take all the competition. Take the best teams and the worst teams. Where does your overall confidence on a night-to-night basis for the Knicks winning a basketball game lie? At home, any team at any night. So you're you're confident this team competes with everyone on at home? No, not I'd say everybody, they have the but... ability to do it. If you told me they beat anyone at home, I would not be surprised. But they don't look good on the road. And they, <laughs> they, really, they really have struggled on the road. I'll pull up the records while we chat for a moment here. Uh, but they played the Clippers. They're, they're electric at home. They really feed off this crowd. So my question now comes to Christoph Porzingis, this man who has been getting a ton of hype. And I'm not talking about New York media hype. I listen to strictly NBA podcasts who are hyping the hell out of this guy. Everybody's loving Porzingis right now. He's averaging 28 points a game. 
He has been a 30-plus point scorer, I think, six times already this year. And he's looked like he's single-handedly won games for the Knicks. What we saw out of him tonight, even though he only had two assists against the Clippers, was his willingness to pass. Personally, I think one of the best things he can do for himself and for his team is to willingly pass way more. I think a goal for him would to average three or four assists. Four, I think, is a little unrealistic. But if he can average three and just make people respect his pass out, he has more one-on-one opportunity, and he opens up Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway and Cantor and whoever is with him on the court. And Doug McDermott, who's been knocked down occasionally. Where, where do you stand on Porzingis' offensive style so far this year? Like, What have you liked and disliked with his game offensively so far? Well, the one thing, though, is that he has to get used to double teams. You know, it's not like he's, he's always been bad. He's never gotten double teams like he's gotten this year, you know. He's just got to get used to it. And I think he has the ability to do it. That's not really what worries me. I don't like... I don't like a lot of his ISO stuff. Like you're always gonna have when you have a player like that, you're always gonna have a little bit of ISO and plays break and stuff like that. But and he can just go get him sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But he forces up a lot of shots, and his elbow does not look right. The elbow thing is interesting. So I heard him talk. He was on the Michael K show maybe a week or so ago. It was uh, after he missed that Hornets game where they lost, uh, and the team actually competed pretty decently, but they lost pretty good. He said the elbow is just a thing, right? He said it's just one of those things. I uh, get banged up. I get hit in it. It'll swell up. It's fine. Then it, then it's good. Then it's bad. Whatever. If this is something that he's going to miss extended period of time with, the Knicks go from fun and competitive to no chance in France, right? No no pun intended on the France thing <laughs> with Frank and Nilekina. I was thinking it. Uh, I just like saying no chance in France. So my question goes to the rest of the team now. We just talked about Porzingis. How much of the rest of this team needs him to be competitive? To just be competitive. Just the Knicks, not to just win games. That should be in games. Well, they don't, they don't need him to be competitive. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. can be the guy to make it competitive. He's not going to lead you to wins. This is what they did last year with Melo. They just couldn't win games without him in, on, the, in the, on the floor. You rely on that play. Their offense is so reliant upon it that you can't win games without it. So... It's not necessarily him. It's just that they run all of their plays through him, you know, and they, they, the team expects him to be there, and he does a lot of work on the glass. You know, he blocks a lot of shots. Nobody else on the team is as dynamic as him, so you lose a little bit of everything when he's not on the floor. And especially since he's been effective at the five, he's actually been playing some center, and that, in my opinion, kind of helps the defense because as much as there's kind of this little fan love going on, it's a little pocket of the Knicks fans. Tell me if you disagree from what you see online and, and, and different chatter. There's a pocket of Knicks fans who really love Enos Cantor right now. And I think my message on Enos Cantor is tread lightly. Yeah. We, we have a decent sample size of what Cantor's been over a course of a season. And he's never been a starter. He's never been suited to play key defensive minutes down the stretch of games. In fact, in OKC, he often couldn't play down the stretch of games because he was just getting beat defensively all the time. Now, I think he's been actually close to average and able to make some plays and his efforts there. Do you get afraid of Cantor? Yeah. That he's the, wait, hold on. Sorry. That he's like the type of player who knows how to look like a rah-rah leader tough guy but doesn't actually have it in him to just grind out people defensively. He's just, he's not, he doesn't play smart. He never does. That's the whole thing. You know, he, he play, he's not doing it on purpose. He's not trying to be selfish or anything like that. He's the best Backup center in the league, probably. 
but he's just not someone who can start. He just can't do that. He can't for an extended periods because he really detracts from the team. Even if he's playing average, he's really not playing average. He just looks like average because he's usually so such a detriment on defense. He he's only like looking f- and to his credit, like he, he knows what his is um, what he's good at. Right. He doesn't. He's a, he's a post scorer. Yeah. And an offensive rebounder. When you're a player like that who's such a such a big detriment to part of his you know skill set, you can't start. You know, it's just not how it's going to work. And, and they even Hornacek knows he very rarely does he close out a game. Uh, um, he Cantor's one of those guys who during closeouts he will basically put in and out. He'll flop him in for a couple minutes for some offense, but put in O'Quinn or put Porzingis at the five. Lance Thomas has been taking minutes from Enos Cantor down the stretch, and he's a guy who you and I do have a lot of fun like joking about <laughs> because my goddamn my guy pump fakes like <laughs> all the time. And he hasn't been pump faking that much, and he actually comes in, takes the best player, and D's him up and puts his chest in his face. Yeah. It's been like kind of refreshing to watch Lance Thomas play basketball, and no, that's a crazy sentence I very, never would have said before this year. Plays very good D, still is getting worse and worse somehow on offense. Like, just, he misses wide open layups, like... We used to have a, we Pete used to joke where you know if he doesn't if he doesn't pump fake he's making the shot which you know never happens because uh, he always pump fakes no matter how <laughs> wide open he is uh, he's been better now he's just missing though he's just been, <laughs> now he's just straight missing that's that was gonna be my point he's so bad on I I don't think I've ever seen anyone who looks like he probably should be decent on offense not good but you know he should be able to hit wide open shots because he's always wide open for a reason because the defense knows he's not making a shot and I. It sucks because he's he, good for one or two a game. Yeah, he'll make a shot. <laughs> he'll make good for one. Make, he's good for a random floater that looks disgusting. Yes, and he's good for a, a, a corner three. He's definitely decent at the the wing and top of the key three is uh, bricks. <laughs> it's it's like I, I've seen him airball like more than any other player in the NBA this year, and it sucks because you need him out there. You, you definitely he is an asset to the team without a doubt. He plays very good defense um, for a bench, you know, player, but I just. You gotta hope he could be a little bit better on offense. All right, so next guy who plays one of these roles, I want to run through some of my these. My guy isn't my guy. No, not yet. I want to roll through some of these guys who aren't Porzingis or Hardaway, who actually are playing important roles in the Knicks winning basketball games. Next guy is Jared Jack. You are in a camp that is opposite of me. I think Jared Jack has been a very solid presence for the Knicks, and I think presence is the word. Oh, I don't he's, disagree with that. Right, he's been a very good presence, and I think he needs to stay starting as long as he can continue doing what he's doing right now, which is not much. He's averaging five points, but he's averaging five assists. He'll hit those little elbow jumpers. Today, oh, the last night now that you're listening to this podcast, against the Clippers last night, he hit a couple threes. And if he can just earn the respect that he will take jump shots, it'll even add to this. I think he's been a steadying presence. I think he needs to stay as the point guard. Too many times when Frank's in, he either is getting in foul trouble or looking overwhelmed when he's handling the ball. And I think Jared Jack being able to take those minutes off the bat of a game and whenever Frank's either getting tired or in trouble have been huge, and I would like to see it stay. Do you do you feel the same or I, disagree? I don't, just because I think that I think Hornacek, when it comes to Frank, has a tendency to... Like, he doesn't instill confidence in him. You know, like, Frank has all these abilities that he doesn't showcase. He he doesn't dunk. He but doesn't it, drive but, to the hoop. But that doesn't look like a Jeff Hornacek problem. It's no, like a Frank but, problem. But I think I think by I think he takes him out a lot when he's you know I I think I think there's a t- we're all seeing buying into the Knicks being competitive right now. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, what's more important is letting Frank develop. 
And it's not like he's not getting minutes. He's I mean, getting, he's getting a he's ton getting, of fourth he's quarter minutes, too. He's getting his minutes, and that's important. But I, I just like to see him play more minutes against better point guards. Because a lot of the times he's a lot of the time he's playing is against the backup. So he looks good. He gets his steals, but he's not really playing and he does play against some of the crunch minutes, but you know, he'll play the entire fourth quarter where you know, maybe only like the last four minutes or so is when the starters come in or whatever the case may be. I think Frank is getting more and more reluctant to do what he can do. He's not really facilitating anymore. He's not really driving to the hoop at all. Um, he's looking to pass as soon as he gets it past the, uh, uh, the, the, the half court, you know? He's not really... You know what he's going to do, and that's bad because he needs, you need to be afraid of him to score because he can score. He can score pretty well, actually. I, I've I've always thought, even since before he played for the Knicks, that he had a clean-looking jump shot. So I'm I've been pleased with his takes. Like he takes some good open threes. You almost wish he took more, and you almost wish he took more of those uh, pull-ups from mid-range because he makes those. He has a nice mid-range pull-up. The real question about Frank is him driving to the hoop. That's something he's either been very tentative with, or when he goes, he's either getting blocked or bodied around, or even against the Clippers the first time he took one to the hoop. Nice move, and then looked a little tentative, went up high, made the shot, and got called for a charge. And I feel like a thing like that for a 19-year-old can set him back for the rest of the game. So now, after getting called for a charge, he already has maybe two fouls or whatever he had. He has an open lane, and Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan are standing in the paint. He's not going near it. And I don't know if that gets better or worse if he's starting a game expected to try to make a play to the hoop or take one to the rim. Because right now, he looks tentative doing it when he's coming off the bench. So it's really, I guess, two ways to look at it, how it can go. The starting could actually just bolt it, like basically bolt him forward, force him to do it, and it'll work, or it'll even overwhelm him even more. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'd rather play it safe with what we're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I personally, I think that the roles, and we all know eventually Jared Jack is a bench point guard and Frank is a starter, eventually. Right. It's just a matter of time. And I think, I, I think... Jared Jack, you know, he got off to a really hot start when he came in and took over for, for the, the starting point duties. No, you can't even call it hot. It's just consistent. No, he it's got not up, bad. No, he was, it's not like he's scoring. He was getting like 10 assists a game for like the first five games he started. Okay. He, or something like the that. The numbers right? weren't that high, but you know, but, but you he, know he, he was, was moving the ball very well. Bit, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think he's regressed significantly since then. He was never scoring. You don't expect him to score. But I think Frank has every everything he does – he has a better tool than Jared Jack. Even now, he has the ability. It's just a confidence level. So how do you get that confidence? And I'm not a coach. I mean, maybe Jeff Hornacek knows that him getting doing exactly what he's doing is going to build his confidence. Just from the eye test, I don't have any statistics to back this up or anything. But it seems like Frank is getting more reluctant to do what he can do. And Jared Jack is becoming more and more of what we expected Jared Jack to be. And... That's not bad for Jared Jack. Like, right. You, you, I think everybody's expectations on him were very low. So it's not like we're going to be disappointed if he starts I'm not, struggling. Yeah, I'm not mad that, about Jared Jack. Like, I'm, mad, I'm not mad at anything. I just wish I would see more of Frank. You want starter minutes and even the starting position, basically, for Frank. Yeah, I want him to be a starter. I so think it's better for him. My next point off that, because I think it's too soon. I think it's entirely too soon. You said it yourself, and I'll flip it a little bit. You said, yeah, you want to win, and everyone's getting tricked that the Knicks are going to be competitive all year, but you really want to see these guys develop and this and that and this and that. That goes into the patience category, right? You're right. So you don't necessarily need to win right now. You want to be patient and develop. I think part of the patience and development is not throwing him into the fire just yet because we don't have to. 
So if the Knicks either start clearly playing a lot better with him on the court, which is actually kind of true already based off plus minuses uh, with him on the floor, off the floor, but if they actually start playing a lot better with him clearly and he starts being more comfortable, or the ver- the opposite where the Knicks are losing and they're now pretty much out of the race, then his time will come. Like his time to start will come. And I just don't believe there's a reason to force it. And let's look at a guy who gets a ton of media hype, too much for most people's liking, is Lonzo Ball, a guy whose game is very interesting to me. And I still have a ton of faith in him over his career. Obviously, it's a slow start. He was a bust last week. Now he's a star because he got a triple-double. Whatever. But you saw late in games, he was the starter where Luke Walton threw him to the bench and he sat down for entire fourth quarters because of his ineffectiveness. Now you can say two things. The next day he was in the gym getting shots up and he dropped a triple-double two days later. It inspired him. He got sat down in the fourth quarter and he turned it up when he got his next chance. But it easily could have been the opposite where... He got sit down, and then he went back in the game and didn't want to make a mistake. So it really comes down to what is the personality type of Frank, and we don't know, like you and oh, I. Oh, no, no, this is just speculation. <laughs> we're measly outsiders here. Oh, measly. This is not the NBA Outsiders podcast, but we're talking basketball, and we are outsiders as well. This is an SBNY podcast. So it's interesting, and I think this next stretch, so the next beat the Clippers, they have a game Wednesday night, off the top of my head, I, I don't remember, I think it might be the, Ro- uh, the Raptors. The then they play the Rockets. And then they have the Trailblazers next Monday. That's so, only considered too, by the way. We've had, uh, I think, like the second easiest schedule so far in terms of strength of schedule and stuff like that. So the Knicks have the Raptors at home Wednesday, Hawks on Friday, and then Rockets Saturday, Trailblazers Monday, Heat Wednesday. Outside the Hawks, who play people tough, especially at home, even though they're losing a lot of games, you got the Raptors, the Rockets, the Trailblazers, and the Heat. This can be a stretch here where the Knicks look back and go, oof. Remember when we were above 500? And we could be 9 and 11 or 9 and 12. Could also be where we, they separate themselves. You don't, don't count them. I, I, they play the Raptors at home. I don't dislike the Knicks at home this year. I think they play really, really well. I think the Garden, this is, the garden crowd is always loud. That rhymed unintentional. Um, but this team feeds off where, as opposed to teams in the past that didn't feed off. You know, These are all young players who get up to play in the Garden. You know, so I, I, I don't want to discount like they'll lose to the Rockets in Houston. Like there's no doubt in my mind they lose that game. They they could beat they should beat the Hawks. And it come, that's also a big component to a team that's either average or above average beating the teams you're supposed to beat. I say this all the time. Like it, it, you can't get mad. Like everyone says, oh they're beating nobody. This the Knicks don't usually beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. They, they don't it's beat. They, like, it's true. Yes, yeah, so I, I always said that with the Giants too. Like every year, the Giants, Giants, and the Knicks, they don't beat the teams they're supposed to, and they'll randomly squeak out a game that they shouldn't and screw themselves over somehow. You, you, if you look at the Yankees, the Yankees did that all year this year. They could never beat teams that were better than them, but they beat every team that was worse than them. They got a playoffs spot, and then once you get to the playoffs, anything could happen. Then they beat somebody they they weren't supposed to beat. Yeah. And it worked out pretty well, the pretty well for them. And you can beat any, any once you end the ball. Best way can't really do that, but yeah, like the I don't like the Knicks going up against Toronto or Washington <laughs> no, or Boston or Cleveland. So yeah, that's a different that's a different conversation Fair for a different enough. day. So before we move on from the Knicks, I want to talk about one more guy, maybe two. Mug Dick buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that wrong? Uh, no, you said it perfectly correctly. Why are you laughing then? Because uh, he's got a funny name. Oh, I said it was Mug, Mug Dick Buckets. buckets. <laughs> Mug Dick Buckets, bro. What are, you, what are you laughing at over here? Now, my man Dougie Fresh, though, has been, like, knocked down from three. He's been a plus slasher. Like, he's been a better slasher than people, you know, remember him being. 
even though he's done it in his career. He's locked out defender. And he, well, I wouldn't call him a lockdown defender. <laughs> no, he's the best player in the league. My man's just playing some D, though. I mean, his one knock is that he can't defend anybody. He's getting inside of people. He's pushing people around a little bit. Uh, how much do you like watching Doug right now? Dougie getting minutes. Dougie makes those minutes work. That's what he does. He didn't, he didn't have that his entire career. He didn't have that in Oklahoma City for those two seconds he was there. <laughs> or in, in Chicago. I forget where he was before He was Chicago. in both, both of those places. No, before Chicago. I forget where he was. Um, Doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> Doug McBuckets was the um, national player of the year for a reason. Because he gets buckets. He's dope. He's dope. <laughs> he gets buckets. He's, so you, you're a big Doug guy. Yeah. He's yeah. not a guy who will ever when practice they, starting when, lineup though, right? No. When they made that trade though, I told you I, I, I'm about to get a, a, a Doug McBuckets jersey. And you, you have it. not. No, I ordered it. Oh, did you? No. Ah, you're just, <laughs> now you're just lying to people. I get it. Um, all right, so pretty clear. We like Doug. It's fun to see him shoot threes. He can pull with contests. Like, if it's contested, he'll, he'll take it. And I like to see that. Doug's been fun. Courtney Lee has been a, a real nice piece to watch. I actually saw a quote from Jeff Hornacek that I really liked. He's like, since Courtney Lee got here, I've been trying to get him to shoot more and score more. And he's finally doing it. And he's proving he can shoot. He can take those weird floaters. He's driving more. He's getting to the rim. In fast driving break, he's more. taking it right up there, a little jelly fam. It, it's, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> Is there a whiter thing? Is there a whiter way to say that, by the way? <laughs> For real. <laughs> when you, you know you always like make a quote and put it on Twitter yeah. uh, to like advertise the, the pod? If it's not Jelly Fan, <laughs> I'm out on this. you got to find a new co-host on Sundays. So wait, well, uh, what is better than the Mug Dick Buckets? Significantly better. And I love bu- the Mug Buckets. You can't even say it straight. Jelly Fan. There's going to be a whole podcast one day. I- I'm probably going to do it on The Outsiders. So, I mean, I'm kind of just giving away my-, my secret right here. But say someone listens to this and then the person who listens to the next one doesn't. I'm going to do a whole pod one day where I only say the first letter of the last name <laughs> and then the first letter of the first name for the last name. Like... A la Tans Lamas. <laughs> There's the whole pocket, like not even a second guess about it. Quite dowered. Like we're gonna go up the whole NBA, and everyone is gonna be back. I don't know. Do you? I haven't noticed. Do you do that on the pot a lot? You so Pete's. Been, if you haven't noticed it on the pot, if he hasn't done, I it I don't do it on the pot often. Pete has been doing this, just the reverse, uh, the names. It's so stupid, but it's never failed to get a laugh in, uh, in our friend group. We do it every day, at least you know maybe 15, 20 times a day. It just it, there's endless names. Like I just thought of one. There that are I've never endless said. names in the world. Pete. I've that never been. Correct. I've never been watching the Grizzlies and said, "Oh, Gark Masal, that's a good shot." Kike Monley. Kike Monley definitely said that one before. That one's not. That one's not pleasant. <laughs> Gark Masal. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. So one of these NBA Outsiders pods, I'm gonna just come out here. Straight up, the whole time. It's going to be a lot of fun. And everybody who listens to this right now is going to know, and they're going to expect it. Play along. Next time you're watching a game, every time you see a name, say you're watching, you know, Sixers versus the Hawks, you see Sen Bimmons go out for a dunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fl- flips it out to Wemba Calker. Like, I don't know, playing the Hornets now. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> This is the SBNY podcast. Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento. I blew it by not going Keith Kennedy right there, by the way. <laughs> I'll do it right now. Alec Argento. Oh, no. Boo. Doesn't work. Boo, you're, you're no fun. You're the anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the SBY podcast. Keep that in the Alec Argento. We're going to talk some baseball now. So we talked to <laughs> the Knicks. The Knicks are fun. That's that's a fact. Oh, and they're definitely fun. That's something that we need to hold on to, right? Because there's a chance we look back in two, three months, and they're not in a playoff run, right? And we're going to say the Knicks might they might still be fun, even though they're not in the playoff run. Hopefully this team continues to compete and keep making sure I'm not super miserable watching them every night. Uh, but they've been fun, so that's good stuff. 
So now more fun conversations around New York sports. This is a sports blog, New York podcast. Don't forget to have a great review, by the way. The Yankees need a new manager. Sure do. Yankees are going after Japanese Babe Ruth, as they call him. Sure are. He was not nicknamed God like Eric Thames, but Japanese Babe Ruth ain't bad. And this man's a pitcher. He's a hitter. He throws smoke. He hits dingers. Yankees, it's Otani collision course, right? Like that oh, is sure. that is just such a Yankees thing to get that Japanese dude who's a stud, right? Like, is that weird because they got Tanaka Matsui? Like, is that the only reason I feel that way, or does it just feel like the Yankees move? Oh, it's well. If you pay attention to the Yankees like I do, you notice the little things that they're doing. A lot of people are noticing like the roster moves and everything. They keep getting more international signing bonuses traded for you know scrubs that they were going to cut from the forty man anyway. They're interviewing Hensley Mullins, the guy from uh, from uh, he was the hitting coach for the Giants and became the bench coach. You know what languages he speaks? Uh, five of them. One of them happens to be Japanese. You got Tanaka who speaks Japanese. You got Godzilla trying to recruit him over there, who's saying all this stuff about him. Collision course, baby. Collision course. What's his first? Is it what, what, Shohai? What is it? Shohai. Shohai, Shohai Otani. Yep. That is a dope name. Oh yeah. Shohai Otani, what is John Sterling's call going to be for him? Oh, it's going to be something incredibly racist, I would assume. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Godzilla's pretty racist. <laughs> That's fair, but at least it's like big man. Like, if you know, if you called, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going nah, with this. Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, I'm just going to just, just quit. Put Why, that shovel, put it away. We're not taking your I'm, I'm going to just quit before I don't go anywhere behind. Um, <laughs> but Otani, Yankees, collision course. It can be fun. So you mentioned this guy they interviewed from the Giants as the manager. What's his name? Mullins? Hensley Mullins. I don't they, I think they're naming they're they're interviewing all these big name people as a service to the fans. Because the fans, New York fans, they want a name, you know? And and in reality, Brian Cashman and the analytics department are running this team. Right. So what you need is someone who's going to be able to communicate what they want and, you know, be a figurehead. And keep people positive. Yeah. And it's and he's a, he was a good hitting coach for the Giants. He won, I think he won what, three championships with the Giants. If he's been there for like yeah. seven years, yeah, then yeah yes. he was. So, so three championships with the Giants. So you have someone. Uh, you have the one thing that worries me though. When no matter who comes in, I don't think they're going to manage the bullpen the way that Joe Girardi did. I think he got ten times more than any any other manager would ever get with the bullpens that he's had. But oh, you mean Dallin Batances or Aldis Chapman, David Robertson, uh, Tommy Canley? I, I don't. I don't think Dallin Patances is a good pitcher, and he ever was. I think he got the fact that he got anything out of Dallin Patances is incredible. The fact that he was an All Star for the past three years is a, a genuine miracle. The guy has no command, and never did. Hmm. Um, okay. The one thing is though, he did probably ruin him though by throwing him out there for like two hundred plus innings every year. Yeah, it doesn't help. Hmm. Um, well, that's interesting. So let's talk about this manager thing quick because we're up on like fifty minutes right now, so we're not going to spend too much more time talking here on the SBMY podcast. Pete Kennedy and Al Gargento. Uh, who are these other manager names that either you know excite you a little bit or don't excite you? You think might actually be the guy? Just give me some names that you you've been hearing that you like, you don't like. I don't I mean, know. Because it's tough to say, right? They're being pretty closed on this. No, they're actually being pretty open about it. They, no, who they're interviewing, of course, but yeah. not who they like more than the other. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. I mean, you see names like Aaron Boone. You see people like David Cohen throwing his name in the ring. John Flaherty. I know he's not a big name, but to Yankee fans, he is. Yeah. Uh, some some smaller guys. I I, th- I really think, and he's not getting a lot of coverage. I think it's this guy Mullins. I think that's the guy who gets the job. 
I think that that's such a perfect fit for them. So what's his name? Harvey? H- Hensley. Hensley Mullins? He's a Ruben. He's from Curacao, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, look at that. Where, he said he speaks Japanese, Spanish, Spanish Dutch. Dutch, English. What a guy. You know who doesn't? Who speaks a language that he doesn't speak on the Yankees? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody speaks every Even language. Even Didi. He's got Didi covered. Well, Didi speaks the same amount of languages. Well, I mean, Didi speak, speaks really good English anyway. He don't speak that Japanese, though. Yeah, who, Didi? Yeah, don't, Didi? yeah, but Didi speaks Dutch. Yes, he does. He speaks I English. assume he's from the Netherlands. Have you ever heard Didi speak? Oh, yeah, he speaks English. But yeah. I'm just saying, I'm sure he also speaks Dutch. He they does. can have a little side conversations, talk shit about people. Yeah. All right. Well, but they won't, though, because they're a tight-knit group and they love each other. <laughs> that's, a, that's really sweet. <laughs> um, so now we mentioned the Yankees. They're going for Otani and they need a new manager. Um, I heard Alex Cobb get name met mentioned today. He might be a target for Alex Yankees, Cobb. apparently. That's what Michael Kay brought it up today. So I don't know. Really? Yeah. Very weird. Is he under contract? Oh, to come over here. Yeah. They're talking about a manager. I'm like, no, 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 no. To play. To, to pitch. To pitch. <laughs> but now we got to come to the New York Mets. They have not that much money to spend because they never have money to spend. They have this new manager, Mickey Callaway, who, sure, Mickey Callaway. Do the Mets have anything to look forward to? I mean, you know, I, I've been a notorious Mets hater for a while, and I, I was I was pretty justified and validated in everything I said last year. Correct. Uh, but I don't think there's anything different. I think that they had – I said this when they went to the World Series when they shut enough. They have a two-year window where if you don't get it within this two-year window, your franchise is going to be in hell for the next probably 10 to 15 years. And they have some players that you're going to like. You know, they have their new Jose Reyes and David Wright, essentially, and probably in, uh, in Ahmed Rosario and Dominic Smith. People you're going to like who are going to play well, not going to win you anything. Um, their pitching is not good uh, anymore. There's at least – there's no trust there, at least. I don't think – Like, God forbid, Noah Syndergaard's fully healthy. You probably have faith, but where's the trust that he's going to be fully healthy? I don't think you do, and I, I, I even – I think especially Noah Syndergaard you shouldn't have faith in. And I said this before the year started last year. Noah Syndergaard pitched really well because he was pitching pitches that normally you're taught not to, to, to throw. They're unnatural. They're exactly uh, unnatural. Yeah, unnatural. I, uh, whatever. I think yeah. unnatural. Both work. But there's a reason why you don't see a lot of 92 mile an hour sliders like he has because it it, it screws up your arm. Your your every pitcher in in Major League Baseball or any professional baseball league, their arms don't look right because it's not natural to be doing that. Now you add extra. Um, strain on the tendons to that level. Something's going wrong. It's it's going to screw you up a lot faster than you, you normally do. You can't learn to throw because someone like like Noah Syndergaard only throws. He doesn't pitch. You know, Jacob Degrom pitches. Jacob Degrom, you well. can have a little bit of faith. And yeah. I don't know if he's going to be. Well, he's never thrown two hundred innings unless he hit it this year. I don't know if he did. I, I don't think he did. Yeah. Um, so my, the last Harvey's the last thing Mets. I'm going to say about the Mets is. Really kind of sad. So when Mickey Callaway became the manager and he does press conferences and all this jazz, whatever, he basically mentioned something that made Nick, Mets fans... I keep saying Knicks, so keep equating them too hard. You're also wearing a Knicks jersey right now. It's throwing me off. But Mets fans were all happy that Mickey Callaway said, oh, we're going to make sure that we have you know a tab on all of our guys, that they're, all, that they're doing good programs and they're working out the right stuff. And Mets fans are like, oh, nice. Mickey Callaway's making sure our guys are going to be healthy and this is all good. But what I saw in that... We haven't been keeping tabs on our players yeah. over the past couple of years. You didn't see that? I mean, I knew that they weren't really because of what happened with Syndergaard last year. But that shouldn't be a thing that makes us proud. That should be like, goddamn, we weren't doing that. 
The inmates, That's not something to be happy about. Terry Collins, the inmates were running the asylum the entire time he was there. They dictated what they wanted to do, and they did it. That's something I, I, I keep harping on Joe Girardi because I'm sad he's gone. Um, Your Twitter name is no longer sad about Girardi. No, <laughs> uh, it was dated a bit. Um, but he had a habit, and people got on him a lot, where he would take somebody out on a hot streak because they needed a day off. Right? Right. And everyone in the media and all the fans would say, you're crazy, you're crazy. But if you ever talk to the player, the player would say, you got, you, I remember hearing this from Chase Hadley specifically, you have no idea how much, how, how, how important that extra day off is at the end of the year. It seems like you're very inconsequential and you don't really want to ride a hot streak, but as a player, we all know this. It's really helpful for us to be, at the, at the end of the grind, you're never going to be 100%, but you want to be as close to that 100% as possible. The more you play in a row, someone like George Springer, who never takes a day off, he's like, he's an anomaly. It doesn't happen anymore. When you have a manager who feels comfortable in telling somebody what they should be doing, when you when you have someone like, you think you think Terry Collins ever tells the world to Chapman he's not the closer anymore? Like, like Joe Girardi <laughs> did? You know? Does that ever happen? No, he couldn't even tell Hat Marvey to come out of the game in the World Series. <laughs> Nice, right? Slip that back in there. <laughs> I was waiting so hard to just say Hat Marvey. Like, I was waiting for me to get a chance to say his name. Finally, you gave it to me. Thank you. I'm happy. You're happy you're happy. I'm happy that we're all happy. This is the SBNY podcast. We have some stuff to be happy about. The Knicks are fun. Yankee uh, season coming up. Should be exciting. A lot, lot of expectation now. A lot of expectation. You, you you know how dangerous this team is going to be when the money gets around it? A lot of expectation. I, I, but they're not they're not the Mets. They, they, they don't do that. Like, with, like Just wait until I'm the first man to say it. Yankees not even a playoff team next year. Bro, if you think they're not a playoff <laughs> team. Oh, my God. I'm just kidding. Wait. Just wait no, I know. But just wait till they start spending money on this team. Wait till they clear. Shohei Otani, if he comes over here, is going to be getting paid like $2.5 million for the next couple of years. I think he maxes out at three yeah. for, the con- for the contract yeah. or something like that. Like he's not, like he comes over here, he's probably going to be one of the, the best players. He's going to be rookie of the year probably. He's not going to be making any money. They have all this money coming off the books. They're going to get a Manny Machado and or a Bryce Harper, although I don't think they should get a Bryce Harper. I want Manny Machado. That's another story. Wait till the money goes around this team, and you have all. They haven't even gotten any of their prospects up. They came over in the re, the restock. None of them have come up. All the people they had were already living um, in there. Duhart, Torres, Chance Adams, Clint Frazier, Justice Sheffield, Albert Abreu. Frazier had a sip. He had a sip of coffee. Esteban Florial. Yeah, well, Fra- Frazier. I don't. I think he's gonna be the one that doesn't make it. Really? Yeah, well, first one up. See you later. But, Listen, they're not all going to make it. Yeah, There's no pure, shot. Pure, pure statistical. Odds. Yeah, it's not. I, I think, and it's sad because people like him. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think he's a good player. I'd love to be wrong. He's got great bat speed, as we all know. But mm. he, uh, he chases, man. That's it, man. Well, this is ESPN my podcast. Pete County, Al Argento. Any last words? Uh, let's go Knicks. Let's go Knicks. <laughs> and mug dick buckets. <laughs> I say buckets. It's just buckets. Yeah, it gets the job done. Whatever. We just want to get dick, dick buckets. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Especially those ratings and reviews. Drop some stars. Drop some thoughts. Tell us what you think. What do you want to hear more of? We talked about the NFL a little bit. A little uh, NBA with the Knicks. A little Yankees-Mets. Tell us what you want to hear more of. We'll be happy to give you what you want. Also, NBA Outsiders podcast coming up. Before Thanksgiving, we're doing a special Thanksgiving episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. Pete, Frank, Bab, and Duff will be with you tomorrow. Don't forget to listen. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to review. This is the SBNY podcast for Alex Argento. 
I'm Peter Kennedy. Peace.